Welcome to Purifying Truths with A Star. Thank you so much for tuning in this morning. This morning, we have a gem, people. We have Miss Iolani Lightborn Bullock, all the way from the nation's capital of Washington, D.C. Now, Miss Iolani, for those of you that don't know, is a diversity and equality inclusion professional. We're going to learn more about that in just a few. She's a world traveler. Yes, people. She's a person of color that travels. Exciting, exciting. She's going to tell us about some of her experiences. And she is a children's book author. She has a book that's going to be published later on through the year. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for joining Purifying Truths. How are you today? I am great. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it is a pleasure. We're going to go ahead and get started knowing you have so much to give. You are truly shining bright. So we're going to talk a little bit about diversity, equality, and inclusion. Now, I think oh, that's something that probably has come to the forefront in the last, I'm going to say, 15 years. I can honestly say I didn't grow up learning about that. So please tell me what it is and why it's needed in the workplace now. Yes. So diversity, equity, and inclusion has really evolved over time. At first, you know, it was about bringing people into organizations where they were absent. So that could be people of color, women, LGBTQ, veterans, all different types of backgrounds. Then they realized once they got there, the environments weren't necessarily inclusive to keep them, Mm -hmm. they retain them. Um, But then also thinking about equity and making sure that they are being provided with the same opportunities to advance, to see themselves represented, to be promoted up the chain. And so diversity, equity, and inclusion has really evolved over time. It has a lot of different names. Some people call it diversity and belonging, diversity and inclusion, but essentially it all is really focused on trying to attract, retain, and provide growth opportunities so that all people are able to advance at the same rates, especially in the workplace. Understood. Now that seems fair, right? It seems it should be fair that we all have the same opportunity, but please just divulge to us a tad bit as to why it's necessary. Yeah, it is so necessary for many different reasons. I think a lot of people think about it in terms of the the good thing to do or the nice thing to do, making sure everyone is included or that you have mm-hmm. representation. But part of it is that it also affects the bottom line and it is the it's the thing to do that breeds success. There's a lot of research out there that shows that diverse teams are more innovative, they produce mm-hmm. more and they're more successful. So why wouldn't you want the most successful team possible bringing different ideas that challenge one another that enable you to be and to do more than you would if everyone was the same? Another thing, you know, so that's part of it, but another aspect of it is 
when you join different organizations or, you know, in the case of my children's book, you know, my son not really seeing himself in literature, that's important. Representation is so key because it enables you to feel confident, to feel empowered, and to feel like you can do that too. You belong in this place. You can succeed. And so, you know, representation is huge, a huge aspect of it, because it is a signal, an outward signal many times that, helps people understand and gives them the opportunity to see that they can succeed in these spaces. Absolutely. I love the way you broke that down. And, you know, it's more than just being nice. Mm -hmm. You know, it certainly is um, all that you said, but it certainly feels good when you look wherever the glass ceiling may be and you see someone that is female or you see someone that is a person of color or you see someone that is you know whatever the category is but that is like you yeah um and it, it does it, it empowers you and it makes you feel as though hey maybe i can do that there's hope you know um when barack became president we, oh my gosh now it's real we can do it you know but before then it was like yeah right you know you're never going to get somebody of color in the white house it changes the whole perspective so because of that thank you for what you do oh thank you so much for recognizing that you know i think the work for diversity equity and inclusion professionals has been hard. It's hard work. It's work that we're certainly passionate about. But after George Floyd was murdered, it certainly became the, at the forefront. Like you said, you know, over the last few years, it's really kicked up, but certainly after last summer. And so, you know, for me, it was something that was a labor of love, um, a labor of necessity. I'm a mother of two Black children. And so, you know, the fact that I do this as my day job, but come home to think about it and then look at my children and think about it, it it's certainly um, a lot to manage. But the one thing that keeps me going is that I feel like my line of work truly helps me make a difference. And I agree. You are definitely making a difference. And as we look out in society, we'll see certain places and spaces where minorities are basically predominantly absent. You know, why do you think that is? You know, I, I really believe that a lot of the structures put in place in many different countries, not just here in the U.S., were absent of minorities because minorities were viewed as less than years ago. You know, when it took things like legislation, like the end of slavery, many different things over decades and decades and decades to finally have us be seen as true people. But then by all that time, these structures had solidified in a way that kept us out. We know there was legislation that made it legal to not, you know, allow black people to sit in certain places. So certainly they couldn't work there. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so I think that, you know, we have evolved as a people, but one thing that's really important that we keep in mind is the structures maybe have not evolved. And so a big part of my work and a part of, you know, why I do what I do, whether it's writing a book about a little black boy or working in diversity, equity, and inclusion is changing some of those structures and changing the narrative. Because once we really get clear on the fact that the way we are looking at things like hiring practices or distributing loans for homeownership that baked into those processes are biased, that is when we can make change. That is when we can say, huh, 
if people created these processes and people are biased, then maybe we need to look at them a little bit more objectively to make sure it's not discriminating against anyone. And that's not to say the people who work in these areas are biased or are discriminating purposefully, but the structures that they represent and they work within many times are. Indeed, indeed. And, you know, this just brings me to um, the act. What was the um, Affirmative Action Act? Mm -hmm. And, you know, many times uh, that quote unquote was supposed to um, open up doors and eyes to diversity and inclusion. But what it did from what I see and what I've experienced is, yes, it got me in the door. But then once I get there, you know, I'm not going to stay because you're looking down on me. I can't excel. Um, so tell me, how is this different than that? Yeah, well, I think it, it, you know, really is reliant on every institution, every company, every organization. And that's part of the equity and the inclusion piece. Diversity mm -hmm. is just getting you in the door. But without equity and inclusion, why would you stay? To your point. And so, you know, I was just in a meeting and we talked about, um, someone brought up Michelle Obama. When she went to Princeton University, she talked about not understanding or knowing that she needed extra long sheets for her bed in college. And mm -hmm. it was the small things like that, those extra long sheets moments that really stuck with her and stopped her from moving forward because she's like, well, if I don't know the small thing, what else don't I know? What else am I not clued into? What else am I missing from this experience because I've never done this before and I don't see a lot of people like me. And so a part of you know making sure that spaces are inclusive is giving those extra long sheets tips to people, making sure they understand the lay of the land. You know, just thinking about going to college, especially for first generation college students, really preparing them and walking them through the small things as well as the big things, how to navigate a classroom, how to navigate professors. You know, some people didn't have their whole family before them go through those experiences. And so if you're not making sure that everyone has all the information and you're assuming that if you got to college, you're going to know how to make it in college, or if you got to corporate America, you're going to know how to succeed in corporate America. That's really not it. And, and you're really mm -hmm. doing the people that you're trying to bring into your organization or to your school a disservice. Absolutely agree. Wow. That is powerful. You know, it is, they say that it's in the details and certainly Michelle broke it down um, with the extra long sheets. I completely can understand that on so many levels, so many levels in life. Um, so we know that you are a world traveler and um, certainly many of us, I think, um, gosh, it's little Nas X uh, has a the song. One of his songs was saying how he's riding on a horse or something, but that, so-and-so hadn't got up off the porch. And so when I think of that, I think of, you know, when you come from poverty, when you come from the trenches, when you don't have that silver spoon in your mouth, usually, you know, you stay within your county or your city or, you know, your people. You don't go outside of the state many times. And that can actually hinder you. And so hats off to you for not just traveling, but going abroad. Now, I know when you go to these different countries, because I've been to a couple, um, 
we're not majority there unless we're going to, you know, um, Africa or the Caribbean. So when you go to these different countries, where does it seem that you fit in? And, and tell us how your experiences are, because, you know, you have brown skin like I do, and I'm sure they look at you as though you're an anomaly as they look, look at me. Yes. And a big part of that is I don't fit in. And I think for me, that is part of the learning and the discovery and the fun of it in many ways. When mm. my son was two months old, we took him to Thailand um, through a workshop that my husband had and I was on maternity leave. So we thought, why don't we all go? And I will say that we went through Japan to Thailand and, you know, we were the only brown people that we could see <laughs> anywhere in the airport, in the country, in the restaurants, on the street. And so, wow. you know, it was really interesting because we were three black people, but my husband and my son, who again, two months old, were truly the unicorns. I have this amazing photograph on our Instagram at Bullocks Abroad, where I'm taking a picture of two older women taking a picture of my son and my husband because they couldn't <laughs> believe what they were seeing. And, you know, I think part of it for us, it can be daunting. There are times when people will ask me, can I take my picture? Times when someone's touched my hair. But there are other times when I realize I might be the only brown person they have ever met, ever seen, ever interacted with. And mm -hmm. I like that. I'm able to you know, break down a barrier for them. The fact that my son was so small was really broke down walls. And even though we didn't speak the same language as everyone else, they would smile at us. They would try to help us. They were giving him little toys. And so it really helped see that we are all the same. We really are. People care about their families. People love babies. People like good food. And at the end of the day, those, you know, many of those things, um, are part of how we travel. We like to be in local places. I like to go to the local restaurants and try to talk to people or you know, share with them. And one of the things I love to do is learn about countries through food. And so I find that sharing a meal or just expressing satisfaction in these noodles or this chicken or whatever it is you're eating makes people so happy. They're like, you like this? Great, have some more, you know? And yes. so- I find that, you know, being a black person traveling in spaces where most people don't see me, it, it, it can be daunting for many people. But I try to look at it as a glass half full to say, wow, they've never seen anyone like me before. Well, they're going to see me and they're going to see us and they're going to enjoy it. <laughs> you know, that's an amazing way to look at it. Amazing. <clears throat> Excuse me, because, you know, you you get a chance to kind of set the bar and break down the barriers, as you say. Yes. Now, do you feel that though our differences are not um, celebrated or do you feel that they are celebrated? Um, and why would you choose whichever answer you choose? You know, it really depends. I think it depends on your mindset. Um, as you said, <clears throat> people are born in one place and don't ever leave their county, their town, their state's borders. And in some places where there are not a lot of people who are different, all you are around are the same people. So for you, difference is scary. 
if you meet someone that doesn't look like you, you're afraid potentially. Mm -hmm. And we see that in our country. We see that in how people are treating each other currently and how people's automatic reaction to someone different might be violent, which is absolutely insane. And so I really feel that, you know, what I like to say is I want to normalize difference and have people lean into difference to say, oh, we're different from each other. Number one, I recognize that because you should. And number two, I want to learn more about it versus saying that's bad because that is not like what I do or what I do is better or the best or the only way it's done. And that is absolutely not the case. And so for me, I think that differences can be celebrated and are celebrated in many spaces, but unfortunately our media and climate makes it that it seems like difference is, you know, puts people at complete opposite ends of the spectrum. And that's really Mm -hmm. sad and really, really unfortunate because there is so much we can learn from one another. Indeed, indeed. Now, I love the way that you said normalizing different. Mm -hmm. And I'll share just a tad bit about um, where I grew up. I grew up in a a basically all black town, a small, very small town in Virginia. And so um, I did not get to stay in my um, comfort zone. Uh, I was then integrated into the inner city. Um, at eight, at during my teenage years, and even though you know we say, oh, um, I get treated like this, and I get treated like that, and that's not fair, and you're judging me, and we have all of these defensive ideas, but then when we get put in that situation, we have to be so careful that we're not the one, because I saw my first Asian, my first Hispanic. Um, other than Puerto Rican, my first, uh, I guess I'll say Hispanic, Mexican, um, my first, and I was just like, wow, you know, I was the same way as, you know, you're saying people are describing you abroad. And I went from, you know, a, a one level school that was just, you know, on on one, one story to a three story high school. And I was just amazed with all of that. And so, you know, we have to also that inclusion part, make sure that as we're celebrating differences, we're not just celebrating our different, but that we're normalizing different, period, Mm -hmm. whether it's something that is ours uniquely or it's not unique to us, because that's how we learn. And it's so important for children. And what I like to say is difference is just different. That's all. It's not scary. It's not bad. It's just different. You know, mm-hmm. it's different from how you do it. But, you know, and one of the reasons why I wrote my children's book is because I really want to make sure that that is coming across to children when they're young. Mm-hmm. Even if their parents think differently, exposing them as much as you can. And it doesn't mean you have to travel the world or take a road trip, but even through books and through other means to have them see these things is so important. And it just broadens their perspective. It helps them learn from others and not be afraid of something that's not what they grew up with. Absolutely. And we all need to broaden our perspective. Um, when we're thinking about every space. You say that you would like to see us in every every space, us being whoever we are, whether we're, you know, people of color or female or, you know, LBGT or whatever title that we have, that we would see us in every space. 
Is that a dream or do you actually believe that's a reality? I think it's becoming a reality. I'm more of the optimist in that people are fighting for all different groups to be in every single space because it's not fair to say if I don't look like the typical banker or I don't look like the typical business owner that I'm not allowed to do that. And so we see so many people coming up using their capital, their resources, their you know, influence, just the power of who they are to knock down those walls and bring others into those spaces. And so I believe that it's becoming more of a reality, but there is quite a long way to go, quite a long way to go. And unfortunately, the pandemic has set, you know, business owners back quite a bit, has set a lot of working people back a bit. And so I think it's going to be even more important for all of us that have the means, whatever that means, to help folks get back on their feet so that they can continue to push into these spaces. We want to see ourselves so that our children can see themselves there. As we said earlier, representation is so important. And so we want to make sure that we see ourselves all over the place. Another thing I would say is that it's important uh, for me as a Black person that I try to normalize that for my family by seeking those things out. It is not always easy to only buy Black or only you know, utilize uh, products from Black retailers, but I specifically found a Black pediatrician because I want my kids to see that they can be doctors too. And Black people are amazing doctors and scientists, um, you know, specifically seeking out different products so that I can support Black-owned businesses. And so I think the more that we can do that, the more we're helping to make sure that we are able to thrive and be a part of all these different spaces. Understood and absolutely agree with that as well. You know, um, when we purchase for the next generation, we have to be so careful because many times what we do, we buy what's popular mm -hmm. and we don't put much thought into it. So yes, to know who we're supporting, to purchase with a purpose and mm -hmm. to make sure that where you're purchasing from, you know, that they would purchase from you. Uh, I remember growing up, you know, we didn't, um, and I'm not gonna name drop, but we didn't purchase from this big company because they were part of this organization or we didn't do this because it was affiliated with that. And so if we can do it that way, we can flip it and we're gonna purchase from because you do um, affiliate with something that I agree with. And so um, certainly that's something that I need to be more mindful of. I thank you for bringing that up. And I'm sure that there are many others that need to be more mindful of that too, rather than buying what's on sale or what's on the shelf. Yeah, I love that. Purchase with a purpose. You need to coin that term. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so critical because we as Black people, specifically as African Americans, have trillions of dollars in buying power. And I don't know if we fully realize all the time that our dollar speaks volumes. If mm -hmm. we all committed to not supporting one large business or one brand, they would not only feel it, but they would make some changes. And so I really want our people to continue to understand that we are powerful beyond measure in many different ways. And we need to channel that and use that to the best of our ability in order to make change happen that benefits our community. Absolutely. And, you know, I just wanted to kind of touch bases a little bit when we were talking about 
color and different. You know, when Mary Sue and Jack, who happen not to be people of color, when they are pro something, it's okay. But once we become pro black or pro brown or pro whatever, pro Christian, pro whatever, um, you know, we're ostracized, we're angry, we're looked upon as, as a certain way. But I love the way that you said um, different is just different. Mm -hmm. Because even though I didn't choose, you know, my color, I didn't choose my sex, I didn't choose any of this. But even though I am, yes, I want to see people, even if it's mental, that look like me in places that I want to go. It does encourage me. And the other thing is, I don't want to just see people that look like me. Mm -hmm. I already know what I can do. I already know what we're about. I want to see, you know, I want to see that Asian. I don't want to be, um, you know, got to go down the street to Chinatown. I want us all, you know, to unite and work together. And like you said, learn from each other. Normalizing different. Love it. That's right. Absolutely love it. So it's about being inclusive, not about being, you know, just us, whether just us is just white or just black or just whatever. It's a little bit of everything. You can't put just pepper. You need all of the seasonings in order for the gumbo to turn out good. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Now let's switch up a little bit to something a little lighter. You've talked about your son and I'm just curious, is he the reason that you're writing your children's book or was there someone else that inspired you also? He is absolutely the reason. I tell people all the time that I'm an unlikely author. I never aspired to be an author. I never thought about writing a book. It was never a dream. But when I was preparing to take him on that trip to Thailand, I couldn't find any books about travel or not many books about travel for children. They were very limited. And the ones mm -hmm. that I did find never had a Black child as the main character. And so I felt that I, in order for me to, I had to create the book I wanted him to read. It wasn't there. And so I needed to create it myself. And so that's when Lennox Takes Flight was born. Amazing. I can't wait to read it. Cannot wait. Now we'll talk a little bit about when it's going to drop and all of that. But, you know, you are such a motivational person. You know, I just love the way that you include everyone and not just in your day-to-day -day speech, but you're actually working it and making a difference in um, society and in the corporate world. With that being said, what legacy are you working on leaving for your son in the next generation? Oh, that is such an amazing question and one that I try to take, you know, a few minutes to think about every day and the one that really motivates me. I want them to make sure they see their mother as someone who used her time on this earth to really make a difference in any space and any way that I could. It didn't matter what my job title was. It didn't matter how much money I had. I tried to be a good person and to help others because that's what I want them to do at the end of the day. To me, that is what, it, what success is. It's helping other people. It's being a role model. It's being motivational and it's doing what you can with what you're 
given. And so what I'm working on is leaving them, you know, that legacy, but also Mm -hmm. very much working toward creating cross-generational wealth for them. I think that is so important for our community and making sure that our, our children are able to continue on in that legacy, uh, but also leaving them a legacy of this notion that you can be anything, you can do anything. And that's actually something I tell my son, we talk about it every day when he says, mama, he's only two and a half now, I can't do this or mama, I can't do that. I say, you can do, and he looks at me and says, anything. I want them to know that whether you're working a corporate job, you're a mother, you're a firefighter, you can write a book if you want to. It doesn't matter what you're doing. You can create a podcast if you want to. You can interview people. It's just your mindset. That is so big. And being you know, someone who follows through, someone who's consistent, someone who works hard, and again, works hard for others. It all comes back to you and it really enriches your life. Wow. What a legacy to leave behind. What a legacy. Certainly we all could learn from that. Um, So we talked about this children's book. What can the audience expect from you next and when is it going to be published? Yes, this children's book is so exciting. It's actually for middle school children. So it's sort of a first chapter book for about fifth and sixth graders. What's really exciting about the book is, you know, it's about a young boy named Lennox who is excited to take his first flight ever on an airplane. And in preparing for the flight, his dad shares with him that his great grandfather was a Tuskegee airman and he shows Mm -hmm. him the pilot wings. And so he is so motivated to get on this flight. But when he gets to the airport, lo and behold, he loses his passport. And so Mm -hmm. the entire story is an adventure through the airport where he and his little sister and sidekick Tegan are trying to get it back before they board their flight. And so, you know, this book is so exciting. Uh, One thing that I'm doing with the book as well is creating a a lesson plan for teachers so that they can teach about the Tuskegee Airmen to their classrooms. And the book drops in December. So it is perfect timing for Black History Month in February. And so I am, you know, working with my family who are all educators in Bronx public schools uh, to create this lesson plan, which is really, really exciting. That is super exciting. And you're talking about Black History Month, honey. That's Christmas. That is a Christmas <laughs> gift. I would love for my children to open up because I buy books for Christmas too. I love that. And I would love for them to open up and see someone that looks like them. Yes. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. So when is when in December do you have an actual date? I believe it is late December. So I am hoping and praying that I can get it in time for Christmas. But I think the publisher, unfortunately, isn't going to have it till late December. But doesn't matter. It is a perfect book to start the new year off right and lead into Black History Month. Well, you know, many of us celebrate Kwanzaa. Just saying. That's right. So, and it's not just Christmas. You know, we have other holidays during that time. So absolutely can't wait to see it. Now, how can the audience connect with you? 
Yes. The best way to connect with me is at lennoxtakesflight.com and Lennox is spelled L-E-N-O-X. Also, our family has a travel Instagram where we documented all of our travels and that was obviously up until we couldn't travel anymore, but you can check us out at Bullocks Abroad. And one thing I'm going to start doing on that site is sharing uh, some parent travel tips and parent travel hacks because I learned a lot along the way, as you can imagine. Mm -hmm. (laughs) infant. And so that is something that people can look forward to on our Instagram account, Bullocks Abroad. All right. There you have it. Bullocks Abroad. And that is on Instagram. We will definitely be in touch there. And will you be announcing all the specifics about your book on Instagram as well? Yes, we definitely will on Instagram. We certainly will on the website, lennoxtakesflight.com. So stay tuned and you will find everything there. So exciting. Wonderful, wonderful. It was such a pleasure to have you on Purifying Truths today. I mean, you have changed the way that we think, not only of of what others do, but what we do too. You know, just broadening our horizons and knocking down those barriers and making this world a better place. I thank you for opening eyes and doors for us to do that. Oh, that is incredibly sweet of you to say. I appreciate you having me so I could share my story and what I'm doing and hope that it inspires others to do the same. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you for tuning in to Purifying Truths with A-Star. Tune in every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. for exciting new guests who illuminate the world and the various facets of life. You can connect with A-Star on Facebook and Instagram at Facets of a Star. Also, website www.facetsofastar.com. Shine bright.